Great to see you guys here. And uh, we are in part two of a series called You Can Know God's Will. And instead of it feeling like a, a puzzle that is impossible to figure out the answer to, that God has actually given us a process to follow in to know his will. So that's what we've been unpacking starting last week and then this week and the next couple uh, and it really began last week with just what you believe about that very fact. Do you believe that you can know God's will? As long as you come into it with that assumption that the, the will of God is knowable, then it's possible to proceed through the process of knowing his will. In fact, I would say this. God wants to reveal his will for your life in the details of your life and every major decision in your life. God wants you to know his will. So let me just stop right there. What is it that you need God's discernment is? What, what decision is facing you or your family or your company or your finances or in a relationship? And you need God's wisdom. You need to make the right call. What is it that God is pressing in today and say, God, I, I need to know your will for my life. I can tell you this. It's not going to be found in a formula. It's not going to be found in the same exact way every single time. In fact, I'll say this. It's never exactly the same way twice. At least that's been my experience. It's going to have uh, wrinkles to it and changes to the process. But there are some key ingredients to discovering his will. It made me think about when I was in elementary school, I decided I was going to make chocolate chip cookies. And, man, I got the bowl out, and I threw a bunch of sugar in there and chocolate chips and a little bit of pinch of salt and a little bit of baking powder, and I threw all that together, and I threw it in the oven, and they looked great at the start out, but then they, they didn't go anywhere. They stayed flat. They are like little pucks, man. They were, and I pulled them out, I, and, and they were terrible, man. They were just these hard biscuit things. I forgot one key ingredient. What was it? Flour. I forgot to put in the flour. I don't recommend that. It's not a good way to bake a cookie. I was missing the key ingredient of flour. And guys, today what we're going to talk about in discerning God's will is when we check in with God, it is the flour. It is the, it is the staple. It is the foundation for discerning God's will for your life as we seek God in his work, excuse me, in his, in his word and through prayer. That is the foundation for discerning his will for your life and for my life. So let's look into that together. And starting in 2 Timothy chapter 3, God's word makes a very powerful claim about itself. God says this about his written word that is revealed to us in the scriptures. It says this, all scripture, how much? Old Testament, New Testament, Jesus' words, Paul's words, Peter's words, Moses' words, Samuel's words. All of God's scripture, all scripture is God-breathed. Very came from the very breath and mouth of God and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. We can know God's word, and his word can enlighten our path, and so we will feel equipped in every decision we make and every circumstance he puts us in. We can be equipped through God's word. He's given us his word so we know how to live. We know what to do, teaching, what not to do, rebuking, how, to do, how not to do something, correcting, and, and, and then how to do something, training. Those were the four words in that passage. He's literally given us everything we know, need to know in order to live according to his will. In fact, the scripture trains us, literally trains us on how to live. Now, some of you know I was an engineer before I was a pastor, and when I went to school, I got a bachelor's in mechanical engineering um, and 
and they taught me physics, and they taught me uh, about materials, and they taught me uh, calculus. When, they, when I got hired as a consultant engineer right out of college, I had all of that knowledge, and I had no earthly idea how to do the job they hired me to do. And they said, we're going to pay you, and we're going to train you to do your job. And I said, that sounds great. And so my part, they were going to train. They had all the knowledge, and they were going to teach me how to do this job if I would just be willing to learn from them how to do it. And then as job after job, I would get better and better at doing the job they were training me to do. That was sounding like a pretty good deal. Can I tell you something? God has made an even sweeter deal. He said, when you were lost in your transgressions and sin and you didn't know me and you had no earthly idea how to live, in my great mercy I sent my son Jesus Christ as as a payment for the sin that has separated you from God. And I'm willing to pay for that penalty through the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And I will allow you into my family by grace. All you have to do is put your faith in Jesus Christ. And you're going to have no idea how to live in this family. You're going to have no idea how to live a godly life. You're going to have no idea how to live according to my will. But if you're teachable, I will train you. I'll train you. And the way God trains us to live according to his will, to live as children of the living God, is through his word and through his spirit and through his people. That's exactly what we're looking at today. The question simply is this today for all of us is, are we willing to be trained? Hey, you've been ushered into this family, and I'll show you the ropes, and I'll teach you how to live as a child of God, but are you willing to be taught and trained by me, God is asking. The way that relates to God's will is simply this. I think oftentimes we we find God's will to be this mysterious thing that is beyond us and beyond understanding, but oftentimes the mysterious isn't all that mysterious. It's actually kind of obvious, and what I mean is this. So much of the daily decisions that you and I make to try to live according to God's will are actually things that we should already know. And we complicate them, meaning most of what God wants for your life and my life and our daily decisions we make has already been revealed and covered by his written word. You realize that? So if God commands it in, in scriptures, I could tell you something. that it is God's will for your life. If it is reflecting of the character of Jesus Christ, then it is God's will for your life. If it is one of the fruit of the Spirit listed in Galatians chapter 5, I don't care what the situation is, it is absolutely God's will for your life. This is called God's universal will. It's always right, and it's true for every single person on the planet. And I think the reason oftentimes we think things are cloudy about God's will for our life is simply either we have not taken the time to discover or consulted God's word for what he says is his will, or we read it and we didn't like it and we don't want to obey it, or we just haven't given the spirit of God the leadership in our life to, to do in us and to work through us to follow his will unequivocally. They say, yes, Jesus, I will follow you if it's your will. So let me just ask, I'll ask myself, how serious are we about following Jesus' example? How serious are we about wanting to hear his will as it's already recorded in his word? How serious are we about not only hearing it, but then obeying it in the decisions we make in our daily life? Can I tell you, God's will becomes a lot less cloudy and a lot more clear 
when you and I just decide this is, this is the truth and this is the best way to live and I'm going to train myself according to what God has revealed. And it's always right. It's always right to do the right thing. It's always right to love our neighbor. And it's always right to pray without ceasing. And it's always right to forgive the person who's offended you. And it's always right to serve other people. It's always right to resist temptation. It's always right to do a number of other things that God has clearly revealed in his word. So, the question you and I have to settle, sometimes it's daily, sometimes it's hourly, certainly in this moment, is how important is it to you that you know God's will and you obey his will, to live according to his universal will for your life. How important is it? If we want to know God in the mystery of his will, then we need to start by striving after obedience in the universal will for his life. Does that make sense? Uh, one of our elders wrote a book on this. It's called Stepping Stones to Discovering God's Will. And I want to read a question out of that or a statement out of his book because I think it's so profound. Uh, and he says this in his book. He says, see, if you are not experiencing God's universal will and you're not wanting to do God's universal will, what he wants for everyone, then why would God divulge details for you in your individual situation? Do you hear that? I mean, why would he? Why would he if you're not willing to obey him in the simple, obvious, revealed things of God? So in this discerning of God's will, I can say this. Discerning God's will is, intending, is for you attending to obey what you already know. I mean, that's one of the first stepping stones. Is that you just As God reveals truth to you and, and how you're to behave and how you're to live and how you're to interact with other people and how you're to, to manage your life, that you'll just say, God, if you say it and it's in your word, then it's true and it's my, your will for my life. That's stepping stone one. It's found in trusting God enough to follow him in your daily, daily life. You sound so simple. I know that I'm making this sound very simple, but I, I'm going to use some analogies here maybe to bring it home. By the way, it wasn't the start of college football yesterday. It was just the SEC. Let's get over ourselves, okay? All right, I'm just going to say that for everyone else. Uh, but if you're watching football yesterday and you're enjoying it like I was, you, you, you might say, man, it's so fun to run the triple reverse or double reverse pass to the, back to the quarterback for the touchdown. But, it, but to trying to discover God's specific will for your life without first knowing his universal will for your life is wanting to run that play but not learning how to block and tackle. It's the same thing as if you want to play Beethoven's fifth but you don't want to learn the scales. The loan to master your instrument. That's the first step. That's the first step. Say, God, I'm going to obey your universal will in my life. But we've got to ask the question, what about these other things? I mean, there's obviously things in, in, in our lives that aren't revealed in God's word. There's decisions that we had to make that obviously he hasn't covered in his scriptures and that you and I are left to discern what God wants for our life. And listen, let's just be honest. There's plenty of those decisions in, those, in our lives. There's decisions about what school you're going to go to or college you're going to attend or trade school you're going to go to, what major you're going to have, or where you're going to work as your career or profession, where you're going to live, who you're going to marry, and even how you're going to act with COVID-19. 
Those are all decisions you and I have to discern God's will on. You know what he says? The next step in the process is found in uh, Psalm 46.10. He says this. Be still. This is God speaking. Be, sp- be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. If you want to know God's specific will for your life beyond the universal will for all believers, then I can tell you this. You have to spend time with a living God. There is no substitute for this one thing, that you get alone with a living God and spend time with him. By the way, if you want to know what that looks like, we did a series this summer called Honest to God, parts one and two. We talk about what, how to have a, a personal time with God. It means engaging with God enough that you disengage with other things around you. You engage with God enough so you make mental space so you're not distracted by everything going on in your life. You're not distracted by people around you. You're not distracted by the TV or radio, but you get some time where you just focus your heart and your mind on the living God and let him bring Breathe life into you. And so the way that works is just simply a couple things we're going to look at today. If you're going to discern God's will, you've got to discern it through his word. If you're going to discern his specific will for your life, it still comes through his word. Can I tell you, every major decision I've gotten right in my life, it is because God has affirmed what he wanted me to do through his word. Many years ago, I was trying to add them up this morning. Uh, many years ago, I left being an engineer, and, and I went into ministry. And let me, that was not an easy decision for me to make. And as I was trying to discern God's will for my life in that, I, I got away for about four hours, and I'm just me and a Bible in the woods, and I'm talking with God, and I'm praying, and I'm trying to figure out, God, what do you want for my life, and what am I supposed to do? And in chapter 30 of Isaiah, God spoke clearly to me. I never heard him in my ears, but he made it very clear through his word that you are to leave what you're doing and you're to pursue the ministry full-time as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He affirmed it through his word. And then sometimes later, we ended up on a church staff, and we had a, my wife married an engineer, and now I'm a pastor on a church staff, and we have a salary, and we got three little kids, and I mean, Shay's not even one year old yet, and then God started putting this burden on my heart to start a church from scratch, and, and like the conversation with Gabriel didn't go so great, it was like, hey, we're going to not have a salary or health insurance I'm not sure how this is going to turn out, but we're supposed to leave this job to go to where there's no job. How does that sound? She's like, that sounds terrible. (laughs) What are you thinking, dude? And yet God used the passage, uh, Joshua chapter 1, verses 6 through 9, and four different times in that short passage, he says, Be strong and courageous, for you will lead these people to inherit the the land I gave to their forefathers. Be strong and very courageous. Meditate on my law day and night so you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you to be strong and courageous? And he took this very afraid guy with a very afraid wife and he said, be bold, be strong, be courageous and go do what I've called you to do and start this church 14 years ago. It'll be this week, 14 years ago. And God has been faithful. Can I get an amen? He said it through his word. Because there's a, that verse, the, for 10 years, that verse hung on my mirror. Joshua chapter 1. Be, I needed to hear it over and over and over again. And over and again, he said through that passage, keep going. 
You're on the right path. You're in my will. It's not been easy. Nine and a half years of set up and tear down ain't easy. But keep going. Can I tell you more recently? Just this year, actually. God used his word to call me into a deeper level of prayer and a commitment to prayer in my own personal life. And I'm trying to lead our church that way, too. It came from Revelation chapter 3. I, I, I preached a series, a fire series, earlier this summer or earlier this year on it. It came from Isaiah chapter 6, and those two passages, God really impressed in me that, man, I need to be a, more of a person of prayer. And I've tried every day. I've missed a few, but start every single day of this year on my knees before God in prayer. He did that through his word. He's pressing into my life just like he wants to press into your life. And there's things he wants to do for you to be in the smack of his will. And he's going to say it through his word to you. Now, I'm going to go back to that first example. When I left engineering and I went into ministry, I want you to understand something. I'm going to be very clear. Isaiah chapter 30 doesn't say go into ministry. It doesn't say stop being an engineer. It doesn't have that, any of that language in it at all, okay? And so, but I read a, a part of that passage. It says, God says, throw away your idols, idols overlaid with gold. And that resonated with me. I knew God was speaking to me. He said, listen, if you're going to follow me, you're going to have to give up your income. If you're going to follow after me, there's this one idol that's going to keep you. There's one thing that might keep you from following my will is if you want to keep chasing the money and keep being successful and have a great income and have a comfortable home and this and that, then you're going to have to, if you're going to follow my will, you're going to have to get rid of that in order to follow this. And that is not the historical context of that passage. That's not what that, the interpretation of that passage means. I want you to understand, so, but that's exactly what God was saying to me in that moment. Does that make sense? you got to be careful with this. You don't want to read into God's word too much. But, when, but when, the, when the living God speaks specifically about his specific will into your life through his word, the spirit of God will resonate in your soul, and you'll know it's from him. And he'll affirm it through other people. He'll affirm it through situations. He might even use signs occasionally. And we're going to get into some of that the next couple weeks of this series. But he always always speaks through his word, through his word. We want to be people of God's will. We've got to be people of his word. I, I promise you this. He'll never ask you to decide something major in your life apart from his will, from his word. I just believe he speaks that way. Am I going to keep my business going? God's word has an answer. Am I going to marry this person? I believe God's word has an answer to that question. Am I going to make this major decision and pick up and move? I believe God's word has an answer to those decisions as we seek them. In fact, let's just use the example of who you're going to marry. Uh, most of us have already made that decision. <laughs> but, there's, <laughs> but there's some that will again or some that haven't yet. And the question who you're going to marry, you're not going to find their name, probably, written down like Mary so-and-so. That's just not in there. I've looked. Okay, but here's what it will say. This is the kind of person you ought to marry. 
This is what godly character looks like. This is the person you are to pursue. This is the kind of person that I think is right for a child of the living God. And that's the kind of person I want you to marry, God says. And he says, not only look for that kind of person, you ought to be a kind of person that that person will be attracted to, so you need to be that person as well. And we get clarity. I can tell you, um, my wife married an engineer. She didn't sign up for all this. <laughs> but, you know, I, I, had a, I had a suspicion that God might do this, even while Gabriel and I were dating. This is before I even got through with college. And I felt led to ask her a question. I'm really glad I asked her. I said, if God, and I hadn't said I want to marry you or anything like that. I said, but if God called me to China, would you go? She didn't bat an eye. She said, yes. I said, fool, sucker. I thought, I didn't think that at all. I thought, wow, wow. That's the kind of person I'm going to have to marry because God wants to do something through my life. So I can't marry somebody that it can't say yes to that question. I gotta be. I gotta marry somebody who's willing to go wherever God says go. So I guess he did have an answer, didn't he? In his word. So we discern God's will through His word, and we discern God's will by seeking God in prayer. Seeking God in prayer. Every major decision I got right, I have spent significant time alone with God in prayer. And I want you to notice something just in this line here. I didn't say discerning God's will by seeking the answer in prayer. And you might think that's a trivial distinction, but I actually think that's a major distinction. That when you and I go to discern God's will for our life, we should not just simply be seeking the answer. We should be looking for God himself. Be seeking the relationship, not just the answer. Uh, Psalm 27 says this, Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. When you said, Seek my face, my heart said to you, Your face I will seek, Lord. It's so tempting to focus on the situation and the problem and obsess over the answer in prayer, but God clearly wants you and I to seek Him first, to seek His face. And that's what it means by seeking His face, is that we seek God Himself above all other things. So I don't know about you, but oftentimes when it comes to prayer, I'm not really seeking God's face, I'm seeking His hands. I'm saying, God, what will you give me? God, what will you do for me? God, how will you help me? That's seeking God's hands. And while that's certainly important and part of it means to being a follower of God, he says, listen, first and foremost, don't seek my hands. Seek my face. I mean, this is good, but this is where it's at. This is where I am. Come in relationship with me and seek my face. And you call to God and say, God, I want to be near you and with you. And I want you more than I want the answer. See, when I left engineering, I wanted to go into ministry, but I didn't feel like God had released me from what I was doing. And if you're ever in a job and you know you, don't, you hate where you're at and you're not where you're supposed to be, I've been there, 
But God, God's timing is perfect. He said, you need to be faithful to where you're at, and as long as I've got you there, you stay faithful, you show up on time, you give your best effort, you love people, you be about my gospel ministry wherever I plant you, and then when I say I'll move you, I'll move you. You be faithful. In the midst of all that, I was working a lot of hours, and we were giving ourselves as volunteers to a church, and I was working a lot and, and serving a lot, and, and I just kind of got to the end of my rope, and I literally broke down one night crying on the floor of my living room, begging God to send me into ministry. Gabriel came home while I was on the floor, and she thought, <laughs> she's, she's a sweetheart. She just got down and started praying with me, hugged me. She probably think, what in the world's wrong with this guy? And I never heard his voice in my ears. But when I said, God, would you let me go into full-time ministry? I heard in my heart as clear as I've heard anything. He said, wait. Wait. And that was all I needed to hear. You know what that meant? That meant God had heard my prayer. That meant God, God had a plan. That means that mean eventually that, that God's going to do what I'm asking him to do, and there's this season that he's going to do it, but in the meantime, I just need to be faithful and wait on his timing. Well, here I am. <laughs> Been doing it a while now. God's promise was true. He was faithful. Every time I've gotten it wrong, listen, Every time I've gotten a major decision wrong in my life, I have short-circuited these two things. Seeking God's will in his word and seeking God's will by seeking his face in prayer. Every time I've gotten a major decision wrong, I have short-circuited those two things. So I've hired staff that we shouldn't have hired here. I've appointed leaders that didn't need to be leading in our church. I have a flaw, and it sounds like a positive, but sometimes it's a negative. I'm a very optimistic person, and I see the best in people, and sometimes I don't see the flaws in people, and I just believe that uh, God can use anybody. And so sometimes I rush into bringing people into roles maybe they're not quite yet ready for, and it's hurt me and it's hurt our church. I joke with the elders. I said, sometimes I'm just ready, fire, aim. That's how I'm wired. And I have godly other elders, and we talk about things, and they go, why don't you aim, then fire? I'm like, that sounds like a good idea. Pray. Seek God's face. Discern his will. I've learned a valuable lesson. It is better to have nobody in a leadership role than to have the wrong person in a leadership role. So I'm learning. I'm learning how to discern God's will in my life. I'm learning how to wait. I'm learning how to read more. I'm learning how to pray more. I'm learning how to seek counsel and decisions God has for me. I'm learning to trust God's timing. And I can tell you this, I am very comfortable with every single person we have in a staff role, our elder team. God has appointed those, and I believe God's doing that because we're learning to wait on God as a church. I'm learning to wait on God as a leader. I'm learning to check with him. I can tell you it's so much better waiting than getting ahead. It is so much better being in the will of God than wondering if you're in the will of God. I want you to look back at Psalm 46. Psalm 46. 
It says, be still and know that I am God. But look at the second half of this. is I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Twice God says, I will be exalted. I think so. I have the misunderstanding that when I discern God's will, it's for me. But I want you to see something. The only reason God reveals his will is so that he will be exalted. Do we benefit from it? Absolutely. Does it make it life easier? Absolutely. Is it so much better to be in his will than not in his will? 100%. But the reason God reveals his will isn't about me and isn't about you. It's about him. Now, if you're paying attention last week, I had this almost exact same sentence, but I said, in order, and the only reason God reveals his will is so that it will be obeyed. Remember I said that? But here's what I'm saying. When we obey his will, he's exalted, right? When we obey his will, he's exalted. Now, if God's the one that gets the credit, if God's the one that gets the glory, if God's the one that gets exalted, if that idea pumps you up, if that that makes you excited, then your heart and your motives for following his will are pure. But if there's a part of you that resents that idea, well, why does God get all the credit? Why does God get all the glory? Why isn't this about me at least a little bit? Then I can tell you there's a mixture of good motives and bad motives as you're seeking God's will. How many of you like twist cones? Chocolate vanilla twist cones? You with me? That's good, isn't it? I like a twist cone. Trying to go and follow God's will with mixed motives is like trying to eat just the vanilla ice cream out of a twist cone. It's tough. I've tried. Chocolate's evil, vanilla good. Just remember that. Chocolate evil, vanilla good. What's better than a twist cone with, with mixed uh, motives is a, just a pure vanilla ice cream cone. Can I get an amen to anybody? You like vanilla? You're my man. You're my people. Yes. So we got to deal with these mixed motives. we got to get rid of those and say, God, I only want to seek your will and obey your will that you might be exalted, that you might be known, that you might be honored in my life, that you might be honored in my family, that you'd be honored in my finances, that you'd be honored in my workplace, that you'd be honored in my relationships, and that every aspect of my life, the reason I follow your will is that you would be lifted up and you'd get the glory and you get the credit and all people would see Jesus Christ through me and they go, man, that God is awesome. Not that person's awesome. Man, that God is awesome. Not that church is awesome. Man, that God is good. I will be exalted. Isaiah 42, 8 says, God says, I will share my glory with no one. No one. So, we want to know God's will for our lives. Let me just ask you, what do you need to get with God about? What, what is the issue burning in your life that you need to say, God, I need your wisdom in my life. I need to discern this decision from you. Let me just ask you, if, if that's you, I'm going to ask you, have you read what he said on the subject? Have you read what he said on the subject? I'm promising you he said something. And if you think you have, here's my challenge to anybody. If you're facing a decision, whether it's today or or a month from now or 10 years from now, and you want to discern God's will for your life, what you ought to do is try to find as many verses in the Bible about that topic as you possibly can. Write them down, print them out, make observations about them, and you study those passages and say, God, what are you saying to me about this topic? 
I say, I don't know how to find those verses. There's, there's search engines on version. There's search engines on the Internet. You can Google it, okay? Uh, you can come talk to me or a staff person or an elder or your small group leader and say, hey, I'm trying to figure out what I'm supposed to do with my work situation. And, and where do I start? I'll tell you, it starts with seeking God in his word and seeking his face in prayer. You say, well, man, I'm... I'm trying to follow God's universal will for my life. Obviously, I'm not perfect, but I'm trying to live as his word's telling me to live. And I'm seeking God and his word, and I've been praying about this, and I just don't seem to be getting an answer, and I keep trying, but I just hasn't, I haven't heard what God wants to say to me yet. You know what I say to that? Awesome. Awesome. That's an awesome place to be. You say, no, it's not. It's an awesome place to be to be because you press into that process and enjoy the presence of God because you'll seek him. You are motivated to seek him. There's an urgency about seeking him. And then sometimes God delays that whole revelation process and discerning his will just so that you'll seek his face, not his hands. I can tell you the closest times I've ever been with God this side of heaven is when I didn't have the answer. And I sought his face. If that's where you are today, say, thank you, God. I'm going to press in and, and know you better. You know, everything we've talked about today has one assumption. One assumption is that is you, you know God. That you can discern his will for your life and you can follow his will for your life because you know God. You have a relationship with him. Can I tell you, there's only one possible way to have a relationship with God. The unknowable God became knowable by Jesus Christ coming to earth. That's exactly why he came, to make the, the mysterious, unknowable God knowable to us mortal people. And he revealed himself in the flesh that we might see God and that he might die upon the cross and remove the penalty of our sin. And, and the barrier that keeps relationship with God happening, it, it's, it can happen because Jesus has made the way. Do you know him? Do you have a relationship with him? Has he forgiven you of all your sins? Has he removed the stain that keeps you from God? The noble God is noble. If you by faith say, God, I want to know you, and by faith I'm turning my life over to you, the infinite God, I can trust you with my life, and I want to trust you with my eternity. And if you say it's by simply receiving Christ, by confessing my sin to you, and receiving Jesus Christ as the leader and the forgiver of my life, then that's the way to do it. I'll do it today. If that's your decision, why don't you pray with me? Let's bow our heads. God, I thank you that you want to know me. Maybe make that your prayer. God, thank you that you want to know me. And you want to make yourself known to me. And because you wanted that so bad, you're perfect righteous, worshipped son, Jesus, who was enthroned and people and creatures were, and angels were bowed down worshipping. He left that scene to become a baby, to live in a broken world, to bear the weight and condemnation and the penalty of our sin, my sin and your sin on a cross. He died. He was buried 
and he rose from the dead. He did all of those things so that we in this moment might say, God, I need you and I want to know you. Is that your prayer today? God, I need you and I want to know you. I want this relationship with you. And so I'm going to I'm going to make the choice to turn from the direction of my life where I think I have the answers or I think I'm not such a bad person or my sin isn't all that great to the reality that my sin has condemned me before a holy God. And so by faith, I put my trust in Jesus. Make that your prayer. Jesus, I put my trust in you. You tell him that. Jesus, you can be my God. Will you be the leader of my life? Will you forgive me of my sins. Make that your prayer. Jesus, come in. I want to follow you. With no one looking around, just as an act of faith, if that was your prayer this morning, would you just slip your hand up for me? I just want to know. Praise you, my God. Anybody else? I bless your name, God. Thank you. Father, I thank you for new life in Jesus Christ. Thank you for making yourself known here today. God, thank you for making your will knowable to just people like us. Through this beautiful word, it is is the breath of the living God breathed out into our life. God, may we revere it, may we obey it, and may we find your will for our lives in it. Oh God, make us people that don't just seek your hands. Make us people that seek your face, oh God. You're the most beautiful creation. I mean, you're the most beautiful being in all creation. There is no one like you, oh God. And God, I pray for breakthroughs for your people as they're discerning your will. God, as as it's the right time for for them to know what you want them to do, that you'll reveal it and they will give you all the praise that you would be exalted among the nations and that you would be exalted on earth. God, would you be exalted now in our worship as we give honor and praise and glory to the great King, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.